Hello, my name is Ray Montgomery, and I'd like to welcome you to the Navigating Blindness podcast. And on today's show, we have our employment specialist team joining us today for a very special Navigating Blindness episode. How's everybody doing today? Good. Good. Doing great, Ray. Sounds good. So before we get started with our today's myth, let's go and do introductions. So we're going to start with you, Christy. I am Christy Russell. I am the Senior Manager of Adult and Youth Employment Services here at Bosma Center for Visionary Solutions. I get the honor of leading this amazing team. We work with youth as early as 14 in career planning and career exploration and helping transition from high school to post high school life, whatever that might look like, as well as working with our adults who are looking to reenter the workforce, maybe recently uh, due to vision loss or looking to change their career path. And these guys uh, are the feet on the ground and work directly with our individuals. And we work a lot with companies on helping break down barriers as to how someone who is visually impaired does indeed work. All right. Next, we're going to go with Mr. Matt Edwards. Matt. Hi, Ray. Uh, I'm Matt Edwards, and I'm an employment specialist here at Bosma and uh, work with uh, adults mostly uh, in finding employments and getting them employment ready and upon a variety of other things. So, But it's all related to employment for people who are blind or visually impaired. Sounds good. Next, we have Aaron. Aaron C., yeah, what's up, Ray? Uh, yeah, I'm the Youth Employment Specialist, Aaron C. So what I do is really, like Chrissy said, uh, get kiddos from 14 to the age of 22 if they're still in school. Uh, just talking about what that next step might look like since there is an unemployment rate of like 70% uh, that are people that are visually impaired or blind. So we're just trying to break down that barrier uh, as well as just preparing for either college, uh, workforce, whatever the next step might be after you exit high school. Um, just trying to, you know, chop down that in between time. So that's that's what we do in the youth. And next we have Natalie. Hey, I'm Natalie Weisenbach, one of our uh, adult employment specialists here. So working with our adult clients, helping them get back into employment or to employment for the first time. Also working with our community partners to help break down those barriers, uh, understanding what it means to hire somebody with vision loss, accommodations, uh, just general education for them and support as needed. And then also working with other employment specialists in the field, helping them to understand how to work with individuals with vision loss as well. Uh, and doing some benefit counseling for our clients. So a little bit of everything with our adults. All right. Well, today we have a great myth. I know you guys have probably heard this myth before, but a blind employee would not be able to find his workstation, the lunchroom, or the bathroom. And that's why they do not want to hire this particular individual, because they fear that they won't be able to navigate their surroundings. Have, have you heard that before? As we all smile. <laughs> <laughs> and if so, what would you say to those employers who who thinking that a person who is blind will not be able to find their, you know, workstation, the bathroom or other areas that they need to get to? Ray, this is Christy. I, I think that this relates a lot to our first season of the podcast. And for me, I'm thinking back to employers just don't know what they don't know or haven't yet experienced. And so sometimes there are those questions about, 
you know, well, am I hire like with a job coach? Am I hiring two people or why do they have another person with us? Is this person going to stay with them and read everything to them? It, it This relates to that on some level in that, okay, I understand they're going to be here, but is someone going to be with them throughout the day to make sure like, do I need to greet them when they get here every morning and walk them up to our area? Um, do I need to wait with them until they leave? Uh, do I need to just kind of like, check in on them physically? Like, are you good? Do you need anything? It, it's, it's similar to that just unknown. You know, I think if we've never been around someone with vision loss, we have a lot of questions. You know, we're, we're curious. We want to know how do you do that or how do you find the restroom or how do you find the supply closet, right? Or how do you warm up your lunch? Like, what do you do for lunch? You know, nowadays we've got Uber Eats and everything else, right? But, but I think people are just curious. They've They've never seen it. They don't understand it. They recognize now that the individual has the skill set they're looking for. But now we're crossing into the unknown of, well, how do they fit into our work environment? And I think that's where a lot of the these kinds of questions come from. I don't know if the team wants to chime in there, but it, it's, it's very similar to just not sure what this looks like, you know, if I'm the employer and I've never, never been around someone with, with vision loss. I think it's the same. We say this a lot, right? I don't know how I would do something if I was blind or visually impaired, right? I don't know how I would turn on my computer. I don't know how I would get to the bathroom. And it's the, un, it's, it, it is the unknown, right? That there is a lot of training and a lot of support. Um, and I think the other thing that we say frequently on this podcast is someone who's blind or visually impaired is blind 24 hours a day, right? Not just when they go to work. So they've managed to get to your place of employment. They managed to complete that application. They have managed to pass your screening process. Um, you know, they are living this life every single day. They are at home, going to the bathroom on their own, finding their food, starting the microwave, cooking gourmet meals, whatever it is that they're doing at home, the same as they're going to do in the workplace. It just may be that they're going to need a bump dot on the start button. And we can talk a little bit more about, you know, those kinds of things, but it's small accommodations typically, right? Or accommodations that they already have in their pocket. Uh, and it's just understanding that if you lost your sight tomorrow, you still have all of your knowledge in you, right? You are still your own person. And so understanding that you're still going to be able to do the same things that you did yesterday, you're just going to do it a little bit different, you know? And, and I think that's, I guess my hope out of this podcast is that employers understand that and understand that, oh, hey, sometimes we just have to be a little creative and listen to our employee and figure out what it is that they're telling us that they need. Now, is that a form of discrimination? Like if you won't hire somebody because you feel that they're... Uh... They won't be able to find the restroom or <laughs> their work site. I mean, is that a form of discrimination? And to me, it is, you know, because again, you're stepping outside of looking at a reasonable accommodation or you're, I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, you're assuming someone cannot perform because of a very basic, almost non-essential task to the actual position and ruling them out. 
we've, I think we've all been in a situation where we've had to hire or select somebody, right? If you're an employer and you're listening in, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily thinking about, oh, are they going to be able to go to the bathroom? Do I need to wait with them? You know, those thoughts don't come in my mind. I mean, currently right now we have an open position and I'm hiring. And when I'm interviewing, I'm not thinking about those kinds of things. I'm really focused in on their skills, their abilities. Do they have the qualifications to do the work I need them to do? You know, I'm not thinking of this stuff, but for someone who might show up to an interview who is maybe very visibly visually impaired, you know, maybe they're, they have the cane or they have a guide dog or glasses or a hat for someone that might be visibly different, right? Then I do think the questions in someone's head start to talk, take over, you know, they're thinking, well, oh man, like this person's blind, like, gosh. And I'm not saying they're saying this out loud, obviously, but I'm thinking, you know, we know that these thoughts come into their heads. We've had people share that with us, you know, when we've worked with different you know, company, uh, HR individuals, they'll say, yeah, I, I just wasn't really sure how someone would do that. You know, when they start to disclose that to us, they're like, wow, I, I never thought about that. Or yeah, that makes sense. Most of the time it always makes sense. It's yeah. just, we, we don't know when to ask the question and we don't have the right people to ask the questions to. And so I think it's not direct discrimination, right? I don't think they look at them and think, oh no, like you can't do this. But I, I think it just happens Again, I mean, I feel like we're on a broken record there, but I feel like the discrimination, if you're going to rule somebody out just because you're not sure what it might take from you as their leader to get them through the day, then that's inadvertent discrimination as, as opposed to, well, let me learn more about this, or I'm interested. I mean, I'm, I'm curious. Um, that's really where we start to chip away at educating and, and making some real changes in the workforce. So how is Bob was go ahead. I was just going to say, I'll kind of share a story that ties into that, right? And this was really my first go around with a with a job fair as an employment specialist, like super green in the field, didn't know really how I was engaging with employers. And this was my first attempt at, you know, getting my feet wet in the field. Um, and I had talked to a um, pharmaceutical company. Uh, stopped at their table and had just shared like, hey, I'm an employment specialist. I, I work with people who are blind or visually impaired and just kind of checking out what types of uh, positions you guys have open. And I mean, immediately this lady was like, we don't have any jobs for people who are blind. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. Like, <laughs> you don't even know what kind of people I have on my caseload, like who we're talking about or and, you know, trying to engage with her in a, in a professional way and in a meaningful way to have a, conver- you know, conversation to break down some barriers. Again, I was really green and, you know, to to my greenness, didn't do a great job with her. But at the same time, she was so adamant about, nope, we don't have we don't have jobs for people who are blind. Can't do it. There's no way we can't accommodate anything. And I just thought, Wow. Like, to me, that was the first time I really had felt like, oh, there are a lot of people who don't get it, right? Um, To not even understand how to talk about accommodations or how to talk about what open positions you have. I was really flabbergasted by that, right? And that, to me, when we're talking about things, that would be discrimination to me, right? And that was the first time I was like, this is a real thing. 
So, uh, so with, go ahead, Aaron. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Like with the youth, I talk about this all the time. I'm like, sometimes you just have to educate the educated, you know. Um, it's hard, like Christian Ali said, as a person with vision loss myself, you know, I get asked a thousand times a day, like, oh, what well, what can you see? What can you do? And it's like, you got to look at the ability first versus the disability and taking that out of the interview, taking that out of the p- job posting, you know. Um, there's all kind like we always joke around like, OK, if you went blind, how would you brush your teeth? And they go through this whole elaborate, oh, I, I, I find my toothbrush and I I do this. And it's like, okay, why didn't you just squirt the toothpaste in your mouth and start brushing your teeth? And it's just because it's not your normal routine doesn't mean it's not capable of happening. So it's just thinking outside the box sometimes and just being, you know, comfortable with being uncomfortable sometimes. Uh, and, you know, just going over those barriers. And I would dare someone to try to keep me from finding the lunchroom. I, you know, I got to eat. So that's, that's not even a Hey, that's the first thing I asked about in the interview. I'm like, where's the where's the cafeteria? Where's the bistro? You know, I'm a big guy. If I don't eat, you know, my work can really be hindered. No, I'm joking. But um, yeah, it's so that's such a barrier. And it's just like, hey, you know, you take a left at the fridge or you take a left at the vending machine that's super loud. And, you know, the air vent that kicks on every 10 minutes and you take a right there and your bathroom is the first one you left. You just think of a grid pattern like it's not. It doesn't have to be this huge elaborate thing, a piece of tape on the floor. You know, there's all kinds of just small things like that that are going to allow you to find certain areas where you need to be. So just because it's not your daily routine and it's not the way you walk to your office doesn't mean it's the wrong way. So just open mindedness and just looking at the looking at the challenges from a different view, I think, is a big one that people got to understand. When you think about when you hire a new employee. You typically take them on a tour and say, okay, exactly. and here's the restroom and here's how you're going to use the vending machine and accept these kinds of cards and you got to kick it three times on the left side. Otherwise, your stuff doesn't come out, right? Like you share that information with your new employee. So it's the same concept of what you're going to do for somebody who has a disability or a visual impairment. Maybe you're just saying, hey, when you go in, the sinks are on the right and the stalls are on the left, right? That's the layout of the bathroom, Uh, you know. Holler out if you need something, I'm going back to my office. You know, you're not going to take a new employee and be like, okay, here's the front door. Good luck, right? You're going <laughs> to do it. At least I hope if you're doing that, you should probably think about doing a tour. But, you know, I, I think you're, when you talk about a new hire orientation, it's the same process for every person that comes to your door. That's exactly what I was going to say is this is, no different than what you are going to be doing for any new employee. You know, they they don't know where anything's at. They're new to your company. They're new to you as their leader. They're you new to everything. And so you're not going to do anything different for someone with vision loss, maybe with the exception of just verbalizing or saying, you know, here's this, do you want me to guide your hand to the sign or, you know, just asking those things, um, you know, on their first day. But I think, I think sometimes we just make it all so much more complicated than it really is and that it needs to be. You're already doing this stuff. You're not worried about your current employees going to the restroom. You're not standing outside you know, the, the restroom door waiting for them to come out. You're not doing that. And so these, these individuals, they're visually impaired 24 seven, you know, it, it, they know what they need to do. They don't just show up 
to work visually impaired. So it, you know, I feel like we, we just have to be willing to not make it so hard just because we don't understand. Yeah, exactly. So to uh, dispel this myth, so how does Bosma um, Center help, you know, help you guide, I help new employees once they get on a job. So how do you, as an employment specialist, help that new employee get orientated uh, to their new surroundings? And do you have any conversations with that employer, you know, before you leave? Uh, certainly, yeah, we we do all of that, um, depending on the person's needs. So um, when somebody starts a new job, I mean, it looks a lot of different ways. I mean, some people um, are very independent and prefer us not to come or get too involved, uh, but other people need uh, quite a bit of assistance. So um, going back to how to find the bathroom and break room and stuff. I mean, to me, that's like the easiest part of transitioning somebody uh, to a new job site. So uh, most, I'd say most of our people have been trained, uh, you know, with a cane or a dog or whatever, whatever they need. So uh, it's, it's very easy for us. I mean, I'd say the uh, job sites that I've uh, gone to and, and done a lot of work, like, you know, that's, that's done in a, a couple hours, a few runs of, you know, practicing that route to the bathroom or wherever you need to go. But um, so anyway, we at the center here, uh, we in our department, we help people uh, with that transition, however they need. And uh, for as long as it takes for them to be independent on a job every day. So um, that's kind of what it looks like. Ooh. Anybody got anything else to add to that? All right. Well, let's talk about the ADA. Not right now, we're celebrating uh, 33 years of the Americans with Disability Act. As you guys know, in 1990, George Bush signed the American Disability Act, and which led um, to a lot of laws and really helped a lot of people with various disabilities find gainful employment and just open up a whole new world for um people with various disabilities. So how has the ADA really affected um, individuals looking for gainful employment? How has that helped, I would say, people looking for gainful employment um, at the end of the day? Well, I think, I mean, I, I could go on and, and on on this topic. I think for me, I would sum it up with awareness. I think people are aware of the ADA. You mm-hmm. know, they may not know all of the specifics or criteria, but they know essentially it's going to benefit someone who discloses, I think that's a key word there, that discloses they have a disability and it allows them the chance to say, okay, well, how can we help you get what you need to do the job just as someone next to you would do? Um, I think it's not a term that people don't know. I think Sometimes people are very fearful of it. Um, Sometimes we are misunderstood as they'll say, oh, you know, ADA. And we're like, we are not the ADA police (laughs) in our role. But if you have questions, we want to answer them. But really, it's, gosh, I mean, 1990 and it's 2023. So much growth has happened in this field. And I think it's, it's just continuing to get better 
I don't think it's resolved. And, you know, I think there's still a lot more work to be done at a higher, you know, cultural level, but we've come a long way. And I think it's because awareness, people are more aware that we're not all the same. We don't do things the same and we can't expect that from others that I think even just coming out of COVID, right? A little bit sidetracked from disability per se, but we're always learning that there are alternate ways to get jobs done. And we're starting to see more emphasis on productivity. You know, some people are more productive in the morning hours, whereas more others are more productive in the evening and really trying to maximize everyone's abilities to be more efficient in the workforce. Um, and so I think by having the ADA in place, it was a starting point. And I think it's been a sounding board for even further change. I think it also is supportive of, you know, the buzzword we've, heck we've even done, you know, a podcast on DEIAB initiatives. Um, the word is getting out that awareness is important, that it matters, and that we just need to give people an opportunity. That's where I think we still have a lot of work to go <laughs> in that opportunity part. But I think the ADA has been successful in growing awareness that there are other ways to accomplish tasks besides one that may have just been done forever. Yeah. And I think the ADA, you know, I, I wasn't alive when the ADA rolled out. So I, I can't speak about before the ADA, but I definitely think it's like Chrissy said, it's a standard. It's a starting point. You know, no one's going to be mad if you go above and beyond, you know, but the ADA, Oh, we got to make it ADA compliant for certain areas and certain, you know, degrees of ramps and things, but as a starting point, it can always be better. <laughs> like accessibility and usability can always be better, but it is a great standard and a starting point uh, to protect not only our rights, but our, you know, access to certain areas and communities and uh, it allows us to go out or when I say us visually impaired individuals like myself it just allows us to feel more comfortable because we know we're protected and we know that at least at minimum there's a standard there that they that companies have to follow but um, it can always be more um, and it doesn't have to be super elaborate changes it, it can be very simple standard um, accommodations and usability and things like that so it's phenomenal. And I can't talk about it before, but from people that I've talked to said it, it was, you know, night and day different, but it's continued to grow. So that's a you know phenomenal thing to see that it's still continuing to better itself. It's not just there as a stationary thing. And it's wonderful to see that. And the ADA is not just, I think it helps more than just people with just disabilities. I would say, I mean, I've seen, you know, with people using the, the smartphones, we don't just, People who are blind just don't use Siri. I see a lot of people use Siri. I mean, I've seen a lot of people um, that utilize that various technologies, you know, as far as with the audio books. I mean, that's came from, you know, talking books. So people using that now on the go. So, and it's easier to do things on the front end. So if you make things accessible on the front end, instead of trying to go backwards and implementing these, um, you know, adaptations later will make it even more harder. For you on the back end so yeah so yeah let's absolutely. talk about talk about reasonable accommodations i know we talked about accommodations before but since we're talking about ada 
and employment. Talk about reasonable accommodations and what those look like uh, for just people with blindness. Uh, they look like a lot of things, I guess. Uh, maybe you're talking about uh, computer accommodations or uh, somebody referred to earlier, you know, bump dots on a microwave or uh, some kind of tape on the floor to help them navigate. Uh, those are some some pretty common ones. Uh, and you just gave a lot of good suggestions on on what people who are blind or visually impaired use as well, right? You answered your own question. Oh, okay. um, so, <laughs> uh, in the workplace, you know, computer accom related accommodations are, are very common. Uh, all the way to a, I've used a paperclip, an accommodation as well. So, uh, and if you know Braille, gosh, I encourage everybody uh, who needs it uh, keep learning Braille. You know. So, can an employer reallocate? essential functions so they don't feel they can make an accommodation can they reallocate that task to another employee talk about that you want to know the first reasonable accommodation i had ray i was in college and uh, i was in a religion class at franklin and my teacher handed me a piece of paper and it was green with black writing and i was like wow i really can't see this i said you know hey professor can i just get this on white on black and he's like yeah give me like two seconds i'll go print one out for you and that's a reasonable accommodation. Like that's an accommodation that most people would take for granted. And it took a half a second and less than five cents to make. And it's like, he's like, you can't see that. I was like, yeah, I guess not. Like I didn't even know it was a, a thing until he handed out the you know piece of paper that I couldn't see, and it, it was that simple, just to run to his computer and print it off. So that was the very first time I ever used accommodation uh, when I started losing my vision. So I'm gonna tell you my first reasonable accommodation my mother gave to me. <laughs> <laughs> and she just put a rubber band over the milk and not the orange juice. Because they both oh, looked alike. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just a rubber band. I didn't think of it back then. But, you know, when I was getting orange juice in my Frosted Flakes, I didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but she made it. She just put a rubber band around the milk. And I knew, okay, the milk is one rubber banded. But uh, so we just really just explaining to people that accommodations are so simple at times. They don't have to be you know, major $900,000 accommodation. It could be simple as, like you say, a bump dot, a rubber band, or you know, a piece of tape. So I would add too, um, I think, I mean, we're definitely getting better at using electronic versions instead of paper, right? But I think there are still a lot of companies, at least from what we've seen when we're out visiting some work sites, there's still a lot of emphasis on print this out, bring this paper to the meeting, you know, print the agenda, or they print off a bunch of stuff instead of going electronic. And so sometimes we're having to do some education around if you have a visually impaired person, they still want the same agenda that everybody else is going to. You don't just not give them something because you think they can't see it. You typed it in Word, most likely, or Excel. So just download and email that to your employee. That is, that is visually impaired. But the thing is, is it actually benefits everybody because then everybody has access to it and you're saving on your printing costs. So I think I'd like to suggest if if companies are listening that encouraging people to, to look at changes you can make that are actually beneficial to everyone. Yeah. Uh, universal accessibility. But we do talk very frequently about that. Is it making sure that whenever you are supplying materials for a meeting and you're printing off things, you want to make sure you're sending it electronic, especially to your individual who may be visually impaired, 
but really it's, it's good for the whole team because then they can all see things ahead of time or they all have access to save it for later. It's just a good productivity tip for really the whole team. Um, but it's so easy because you're already doing it. You're already preparing it. Now you're just going to download it and send it. Um, and that makes a world of difference for someone who utilizes screen reading software or things like that. Now, on the flip side, you might have somebody that likes large print. Okay, then maybe you do need to print theirs if it's something that they prefer. You know, enlarge that font to whatever the size they need it. And that's fine too. But I think just asking people, hey, what would you prefer? You know, this meeting, we're going to be taking a lot of notes. Do you prefer it electronic so you can open it up in Word and add your notes in? Or if you still have some vision, do you want me to print this in large print for you? You know, not just assuming there's only one way of delivering information to our team is, is also very important. So can a employer ask if a prospective employer is disabled? No, they cannot do that ahead of time. Okay. <laughs> um, you want to keep it focused to the job. So they may ask, for an example, explain to me how you prepared reports in your last job. That is a very important key task for this, this position that I'm looking for. That opens the door to the individual to explain how they utilize reporting. Do they utilize a different software? How do they do it? So it, the questions need to be relevant to how does the applicant perform certain job functions? But you cannot just go out and be like, you know, hey, I think you might have a disability. And do you have a disability? Absolutely not. You need to keep keep the conversation relevant to the position that you're interviewing for and asking the individual about their experience doing those job tasks in the past, asking like hypothetical questions. So we love these, right? These open-ended, here's a scenario, you know, Mary comes in and does ABC. How would you respond to Mary? That's fine, right? Because then you're getting their input, but you cannot just presume that someone has a disability, nor can you just openly come out with, talk to me about, you know, or it looks like you're blind. You know, absolutely not. Plus, it's just not respectful anyway, even if it were legal. But no, it's you're not interviewing them based on their ability or disability. You're interviewing them based on their skill set and their appropriateness for the position that you're hiring for. So how do we how do we this is for everybody. How do we advance uh, employment for people who are blind or vision impaired? It's how do we break down these myths? You know, how do we just advance employment for people who are blind? Man, that's a that's the big question. Right. I mean, we're looking at nationwide a 70 percent unemployment rate for people who are blind or visually impaired in the nation. And, you know, here in the state of Indiana, I think we're what, 62, 65 percent, which is a little bit better than nationwide. But it's a beast of a question when we're looking at that type of unemployment rate for people who are actively seeking employment. Right. Not. Not 70% of people are blind or visually impaired, but 70% of people who are blind or visually impaired are actively seeking employment. Um, you know, and I think for us, our big goal is to continue to educate employers on accommodations. You know, I think Christy said it, we're not the ADA police, right? We're not coming in there and telling you you need to build a ramp in your, you know, facility or blow out a whole new portion for your building, right? We're talking about small things and continuing to work with our clients on advocating for themselves 
I think is the other huge thing, you know, Aaron said it best, we have to educate the educated, right, and continue to push that that information out there. With our clients, these are people who have worked for a long time in the workforce, they have a lot of great skills and knowledge and are leaders and are passionate about the careers that they have and are able to come in and really bring a lot of value to companies. And so helping them to, to push that information, helping them to understand that you, you got to sell yourself past that vision loss and, you know, understanding that, yes, I'm going to have to explain how I do reports and I can't just sit down in an interview and assume that people are going to look past the vision loss because they're not and and you do have to educate them. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's how we start here at Bosma to, to help break down those barriers, but continuing to just push our voice out there and being open to having conversation with employers that man, you might have some really uncomfortable questions or, you know, maybe I feel a little icky about asking that because I don't know if it's going to be a question that makes me, you know, seem like I'm discriminating or not. Come ask us. We want you to ask us those questions. We promise it's a safe space where we are going to help you and educate you uh, and not judge you for that. We want to make sure that you have a place to grow as an organization as well so that you can go out and continue to break down barriers as well. To, to hire qualified candidates into your workforce. Well, how to, what, if, what if that person isn't so confident? I mean, it takes time to build that confidence as a person who was blind. So what if that person isn't so confident in, or eloquent in speaking so they don't feel as comfortable as speaking or advocating for themselves? What do you tell that person? Well, I think you're right. Well, I mean, it does. When you lose your vision, you your earth is is shook, right? Yes. Like your whole world has has changed, and for some people, in an instant. And so, it is a constant building of confidence. It is a constant working with these clients, helping them understand who they are as a person, and that they are not just their vision loss, right? It, it has to start there. And it has to start with us being able to build the relationship with them that we're going to support them on their journey back to employment and connecting them with employers who also understand. And also working with them and understanding there are some employers who don't get it. I would love to say that the world is perfect and that all employers are amazing and perfect employers and, and awesome. Uh, they aren't. And there are some who still need more education to really get it. And not just with the world of disability, but the world of employment altogether, right? And understanding that you don't want to work for somebody like that. You want to go find an employer who gets it and is going to value as an employee. And so we have to have those conversations with our clients. We have to continue to build them up and shine the light on their skill set, right? And while we're shining the light on their skill set to them, also pushing out into the community to shine that light as well for them in the workforce to be like, hey, employer, I have this employee and this is who they are and all these great things. Um, you know, maybe they need additional training. Maybe they need to come to our center-based training and having them come back through that to help them build up their confidence and learning how, you know, to do those daily living skill activities or how to better use the computer or get stronger in their orientation and mobility or, uh, you know, go through some adjustment counseling, all of those things. 
maybe we got to start there first and, and we can talk about those things with them and then get them back to employment. But I, I think for Matt and myself and Aaron and Christy, our goal is that we're always providing that constant support and pushing them to understand who they are as an employee and how they're going to go out and rock the workforce. And I think it's why we look for those employers who are open to having that conversation and open to having us come out and do a tour and figure out what they need and how our clients best fit into their workforce. It, it's very much a relationship in everything that we do. None of us wake up and just say, hey, client, go to work in this job. That's yeah, fine. This employer, we don't know them. It's going to be great. We can't do that, right? We have to have those relationships out in the world so that it can build somebody's confidence back up, right? And they can go out. And man, I've had more than a few clients that have nailed that interview, gotten the job, a great employer, and they are still calling me like, I don't think I can do this, right? And we're constantly talking them off the ledge, like, yes, you can. You're doing great. Feedback's been great. Like, let's continue to support oh my gosh, you've done it. We've gotten to successful closure. And six months later, they're still calling me and they're like, I don't know about this. I'm like, what are you talking about? You've been working for a year. This, What's going on? Let's talk through it. Um, I think it's just, it, it's a constant relationship that you have to provide for clients and employers together. Sorry, that's my tangent. But I think that's, you know, that's what you got to do. That's yeah. See, and when I work with like kids, I, I just tell them, hey, Keep it simple. Keep it relaxed. Keep it relatable. If you're talking about your vision loss related to something that they can relate to and they're already as nervous as you are, you're probably the first blind person they've ever met. So just keep it relaxed. Keep it fun. Uh, there's a you know point in time to be super professional, but uh, there's also a time just to be relatable. Make that relationship from the beginning uh, and just you're nervous. They're nervous. So just yeah. keep it simple. Keep it smooth. Don't, don't, this isn't, you know, a soap opera, you know, go in there and just talk about yourself. Talk about how you live. Like Chrissy said, we don't turn off the blindness when we go home. So talk about your, you know, your day to day, you know, how they, you do things at home, how you do things at work, uh, build those skills. Just keep it simple. I think I really, I really think people just try to make it too complex and nerves come into it. And it's, I get it. It takes time to be confident, but. Confidence is easy when it, it's just something that you can talk about and you believe in and you believe in yourself most of the time. So it's easy to talk about yourself and keep it simple and just relate it to someone else. That's a great way to end the podcast. I want to once again thank the entire employment service team for once again dropping all their great knowledge on us today and all their great information about American with Disability Act and dispelling the myths and about people who are blind or visually impaired. So, Christy, if they want to reach, uh, get in contact with you or our employment service team, how would they go about doing such a thing? Absolutely. First, I would encourage you to check out our website, www.bosma.org backslash center. And then you can click on employment services and you'll see all about our adult and youth programming. And that's bosma.org backslash C-E-N-T-E-R. And you can call me directly at 317-704-8250 if you have any questions or you're a company looking to expand your knowledge on how 
people with vision loss could work in your company, we'd love to talk with you. Um, yeah. Once again, make sure you subscribe to the Navigating Blindness podcast on Apple, Google, and SoundCloud. And make sure you're following Bosma on all social media platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And we'll talk to you guys next month. Thank you. Thanks, Ray.